0: Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more, and leave us some feedback. Away we go.
1: Initialize sequence.
0: Welcome
2: to The Baldcast. A production of John Canzano's Baldface Truth.
0: I was watching the Niners-Rams game. I'm sure some gamblers were watching it. Steven, were you paying attention to how that ended?
3: Uh, yeah, I did, John. That was uh, pretty wild.
0: Niners, a a seven-and-a-half point favorite over the Rams. Up by ten in the closing seconds. And the Rams elect to do this.
3: Kick for Maher is on the way, and that'll be the final play of the game. So the Rams put three on the board. Bad beats. But San Francisco wins by oh, seven.
0: <laughs> they kick a field goal. What were they doing there?
3: What's Sean McVay doing? Well, he did say it was about the uh, divisional tiebreaker is what, it is what his reasoning was after the game. That's like the fourth or fifth tiebreaker is uh, divisional, you know, uh, the the loss or the, you know, the what am I? looking for the word. but uh, yeah, Point, point differential. differential. Point differential, yeah. yes. So that, that's why he was going for it. But, but
0: why not just throw it for the end zone? Try to get seven, then.
3: I don't know, make the fans happy? Everyone that bet on the Rams? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, you can hear it in the uh, broadcaster's voice. <laughs> Starts to laugh. Oh, well. That's why they say the best way to double your money is to fold it and keep it in your pocket. Zachary Neal, USA Today, covers the Oregon Ducks. Based in Eugene, got a uh, chance to sit by him during the Oregon-Texas Tech game. I'll tell you, as a media member on uh, Press Row, what you're looking for when you sit beside someone is you're looking for somebody who, first of all, um, is a nice person to sit beside. Secondarily, you don't want someone who's chattering or angry throughout the game, pounding a fist on the table. That's obnoxious. Had that happen before. And uh, you don't want somebody who's going to be eating a bunch of food and chewing and making noise while you're trying to concentrate and write. Zachary Neal was a perfect gentleman sitting beside me on Press Row, and I thought to myself, "I got to have this guy on the show." Plus, he covers the Oregon Ducks; he knows what he's talking about, and he joins us now. How are you, man?
2: I'm great. I'm I'm very thrilled that I passed your uh, your test <laughs> for someone who's connected during a game. That's that's uh, among the top of my uh, my lifelong accomplishments right now. There you go.
0: Happy to do it again. Hey, listen, uh, Oregon-Colorado, I've been looking forward to this game. You've been looking forward to this game. Is Dan Lanning ready for this game? Do you get a sense?
2: Oh, yeah. I think that, you know, it's the start of the year for Oregon's been, I guess you would call it mundane just because of the strength of competition. Texas Tech, obviously, has a good team. I think the, the year-end outlook, Texas Tech would be better than they looked against, you know, the, the first couple games of the year. But, um, I think everyone's just excited for this game because it's a real real matchup, a top-20 matchup. There's going to be so much hype for this game. A lot of words have already been said. I'm sure a lot more words will be said between coaches and players and everyone this week. It's just this is, this is what college football is all about. All about. This one's going to be a lot of fun.
0: Give me an idea of how you think Dan Lanning should handle this week. What should his tone be, his talking points?
2: I can tell you how I want him to handle this week, but I can tell you how I think he's going to handle this week. I All mean, right, he's going to go about this as he has everything in the past. When we talk to him in the media, he's going to be straight-faced, buttoned up, not say, you know, not give any bulletin board material. That happened already before the season when I, I don't know that he was really trying to take shots at this Deion Sanders-led team at Pac-Florida Oregon media day when he had his comments about Colorado, you know, what have they won before, I don't remember. Um, but, you know, this, I think, behind closed doors, he is going to feed the fire to his team and have them ready that, you know, look at everyone who's going to be watching this game is watching for Colorado. He's going to feed that narrative to his players, I think, and um, they're absolutely going to be ready for this game. I think that they're going to be pumped up, but uh, I would be shocked if we hear anything, any type of bulletin board material from Laney this week. Cause that's just that's not really his way in front of the media.
0: He'll be on my show on Thursday. Have you had a chance to talk with him or see him in a news conference yet this week?
2: Not yet. We will talk to him tonight at six forty-five. It's his weekly press conference tonight, so I am sure that we'll we'll talk. I am um, sure that we will try and bait him into some some questions about Dion and and everything. And I like I said, I think that we know what we're going to get. He's pretty buttoned up when it comes to that stuff.
0: The biggest advantage for Oregon by position group in this game. When you look at sort of the uh, you know the flip card prior to the game, where is that big advantage?
2: I think right now I'm focused on Oregon's defensive line versus Colorado's offensive line. Um, I know Oregon's defensive line doesn't have all of the stats, um, I, but if you look at the eye test, they, they certainly passed that test. Um, they had four sacks against Texas Tech, which is a team who, who throws the ball a lot. Hawaii didn't, I mean, they threw the ball a lot, but a lot of those were quick passes. They didn't really give defensive linemen opportunities to get in the backfield. Same with Portland State. You weren't going to rack up a ton of sacks, a ton, a ton of pressures, because, you know, they're, they're uh, low-grade schools, all due respect, that just don't want to get injured in this, in this game. So they want to get their quarterbacks to get rid of the ball quickly. That's not what we're going to see against Colorado, and Colorado's offensive line is not great. They give up, on average, five sacks per game. Um, They're one of the lower-rated offensive lines in the nation. So um, I think this could be a game where Oregon's defensive line really feasts and really gets a lot of pressure on Shador Sanders. If Oregon wants to run away with this this game, as they're expecting, that's going to be one of their number one keys to the game. They need to get pressure on Shador. need to keep him uncomfortable, not sitting back there in a clean pocket. Uh, If they do that, I like their chances.
0: Zachary Neal with us. Uh, You can find him as part of the USA Today's coverage of the Oregon Ducks. The, this game uh, obviously the point spread Zachary is leaning towards 20 20 and a half 21 points won't be surprised at kickoff if it's above three touchdowns which is remarkable um you know I'm just watching the spread so people won't be surprised if Oregon wins this game but give me an idea the difference of the narrative of the early part of the season Oregon winning versus Oregon losing in your mind
2: yeah i mean it's it's been really interesting to see how the narrative around this whole game has changed because coming into the year I don't think that the Ducks or Duck fans would have been super excited about, you know, this week four matchup against Colorado. It'd be fun to go to Austin and see Dion Sanders, see that whole dog and pony show, but um, the hype around this game has changed so so much since week one and credit to Colorado for that. They've beaten the teams that they've faced. They've looked decent doing it. I know there's a bit of an asterisk against Colorado State game that week, but Um, You know, this is a game where I think that Oregon fans, if if the Ducks go in and win and it's close, they'll still be happy. But because of what has been said and because of the narratives and the hype that's been built about this game, Oregon fans want to go in and see a blowout. And they want to be the team that exposes Colorado for, you know, the the semi-mediocre team that a lot of people think they are. So um, that's what I think a lot of people are looking for in this game.
0: You know, I wrote it on Sunday that for a while it was Oregon that was in this Colorado position. They were getting a lot of attention for the uniforms and the facilities and Uncle Phil and flashy. But, you know, having some success on the field until mainly till Chip Kelly arrived and put him over the top. And I feel like some of the same criticisms that I hear about Colorado were things I remember people saying about Oregon, like in 2005, 2006. You know, it's it, it just reminds me of that time. Uh, how far is, in your mind, Oregon come as a program that, you know, they're a 21-point favorite over a ranked team on a, on a big game that, you know, everybody's looking at Colorado going undefeated, ranked, Oregon's going to blow them out.
2: Yeah, I read that piece by you, really. that's a really good one, and it, it speaks to the fact that, Oregon is not the new kid on the block, the new flashy thing anymore. While they still are flashy and they still are exciting and you know they're your favorite team's favorite team, they still have all the Nike and the uniforms and everything, they've been here before. Uh, they've played for a couple national championships. I know everyone will be quick to, to remind you that they have not won any national championships, but they are not new to this stage. They're not new to being the marquee game at 12.30 on ABC on a Saturday. Colorado is, Colorado has not been here in a long time. so. Um, I think that, that really speaks to the fact that Oregon is an established brand now, an established team, um, and, yeah, they've, they've proven that they can beat uh, good teams by a lot of points, and, you know, I don't, I don't know that everyone agrees that Colorado's a good team. They're a fun team, yes, but they still have to prove a lot before they can be a good team. So um, I, I expect Oregon to, you know, to unveil some things about the Buffalo this weekend.
0: In hindsight, I'm glad that Oregon got a test against Texas Tech because the other two non-conference games were, were not much of a test. Does that put Oregon as a dis, at a disadvantage here? Because Colorado has had to fight a, at junctures of all three of its games, and, and it fought to the end in two of those games.
2: Yeah, I I could see that. I mean, if you're going to make that case against Oregon, I really can't stop you. Oregon, I mean, we say against Colorado that, you know, wait until they play someone good to see how good they are. You can say the exact same thing about Oregon. I mean, I think that Texas Tech is a little bit better than their record. I don't think they should have lost that Wyoming game. Um, I think, again, at the end of the year, they're going to be up there in the top half of the Big 12 and be a a respectable team. They'll be a bowl team. Um, You can't say the same about Portland State or obviously Portland State against Hawaii, though. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's it's a tough thing for Oregon fans to disagree with because, yeah, we still need to see a lot about this Oregon team. But I think based on what we saw last year with this coaching staff, based on the few things we've seen against their opponents this year so far, uh, you can feel reasonably confident. And based off, off their stats and their rankings nationally, um, offensive, defensive, I think you can feel pretty confident on where they are going forward.
0: What's Oregon doing really well right now in your mind? You've seen this team uh, through spring ball, start to finish in fall camp, now in three times on the field.
2: The easy answer is offense, um, but I'm, I'm not going to go with that. We we knew coming into this year that the offense would be humming under Bo Nix, Troy Franklin, Bucky Irving. We knew that would be good. I've been really impressed with this defense so far. Um, there were so many questions about the secondary last year, and an extension, of the defensive line, and how those two work in conjunction. So far, that's been really good. Uh, the Hawaii game, in particular, Hawaii has a really good passing attack. Uh, Braden Shager, their their quarterback, has one of the highest yardage totals in the nation this year, and they completely shut him down. Um, I don't have the stats in front of me, but a Hawaii threw for, I believe, it was less than fewer than 200 yards total. Um, they had an interception. They really they really just did a great job. Um, these cornerbacks are playing really well. The defensive line is getting pressure. I've been really impressed through three weeks. Again, small sample size. They haven't played anyone. one. We need to see better opponents and see this consistency stack up. But so far, I like what I'm seeing from this defense.
0: Zachary Neal with us. You can find his coverage as part of the USA Today's uh, network and coverage. Uh, you're, you know, you're having a fun time covering this team help our our listeners get to know you a little bit zachary you grew up as i understand it uh, were you an oregon fan as a kid or did you follow the program or what was your story
2: absolutely i grew up in eugene i went to south eugene uh went to university of oregon journalism school so i'm an, a, an oregon alum i grew up a, a big duck fan i lived the chip kelly era going to duck games every weekend so yeah i I bleed green and yellow, definitely, but during my job, I am an unbiased media member, so, um, but I, I am thankful to be covering the team that I grew up loving and uh, having a lot of fun doing it. What
0: was it like to be a student at that time?
2: It was, well, I was not a student during, I was actually a student during the uh, the Mark Helfrich era and the, okay. the end of that, so that was, that was pretty fun, but man, being in high school. In middle school during the Chip Kelly era was was quite a lot of fun it was just you know it's, it's everything you wanted as a student just or as a um, you know a high school student a teenager just growing up and um, there was so much flash and you know when you're that age you care about uniforms and you care about these highlight plays and uh, you know you idolized the Anthony Thomas so it, it was a ton of fun I, I definitely longed for those days
0: Marcus Mariota walking around too uh, during your college years. Did you did you see him on campus? Do you have any classes with
2: any of those guys? No, I don't think it it would come as much surprise that uh, Marcus was very confined as a college student, and I, <laughs> I rarely, rarely. I think I might have caught a glimpse of him once or twice, but no, he was he was pretty hard to find, so no one's surprised.
0: All right, do you have a feel on this game? Does Oregon cover the twenty 21- one? point spread, or is it closer than the spread suggests?
2: I I think around 20 to 21 points is pretty accurate. What I'm kind of leaning so far is the, the point total. Is, I believe last I saw it was at 71.5. I think it's going to be under that because, again, I've been pretty impressed with Oregon's defense so far. I think they can get after Shador Sanders and really kind of slow down Colorado's offense. Um, I don't have an official score prediction yet. I've kind of been bouncing that around in my head, but I see something around you know forty two to twenty, four to five, forty five to twenty four, something around there. So um, I don't think this is gonna be a massive, you know, eighty point scored in this game. I think it'll be a little bit lower than that, but I do feel pretty confident that Oregon will win comfortably.
0: Zachary Neal, thank you for joining us. I'll see you in the press box.
2: Absolutely, Thank you very much.
0: There he is from Eugene, covers the ducks grew up rooting for the Ducks, went to Oregon, now he's covering the team. Uh Steven, let's talk about that point spread. It was at 14, 14 and a half, quickly jumped to 17, 17 and a half. A lot of money flowing in on Oregon, pushing it to 20, 20 and a half. I don't know where it is now. I can look it up while we're talking, but Give me an idea of what you think is happening there.
3: Yeah, uh, just looking at it right now, it's at twenty one uh, officially, which <laughs> on its way to twenty one and a half. It's you know it's uh, juiced one minus one thirteen to the ducks, so it's even going higher and higher as we speak. But yeah, I mean, I think you texted me last night and was like, yeah, Oregon's nineteen and a half point favorites, and I was like, well, it better get on Oregon. And, and yeah, it's it's weird because you know I think once it gets a little bit higher and higher, if it gets up to twenty four, I mean, is it going to get higher as we get closer to game time? I'd have to go Colorado at that point. Because I understand, like we undervalued Colorado at the start of the year, then we overvalued them against Colorado State. Like, there's no way they should have been 24 point favorites against them. But now we're almost undervaluing them again because of you know the Travis Hunter injury and they looked so so against Colorado State. Like, I do think this Colorado team is good, John. And I said this after Week One. I said they looked like a bowl team, and I still think that they're a bowl team. And so I think for them to be three score underdogs in Eugene is kind of a lot. And Right now, I don't know. I'm leaning towards Colorado plus the points, but um, I think Oregon wins the game, but I think Colorado can keep it close, and it's just about, it's more about Oregon, right? Like, I know they played at Texas Tech, and they had a hard time in that game, but they made a lot of mistakes. They made a lot of mistakes against Hawaii, but it was Hawaii, and they had a lot of penalties, and Dan Lanning talked about that. They can't afford to have those type of penalties against Colorado, and I just don't know that I trust that they're going to fix that over a week, and I think Colorado can take advantage of it and they will scheme up some things to you know for Colorado to score some points and maybe even stop that crossing route that Colorado state did them so dirty with cuz you know Oregon's going to run a lot of crossing routes see if they fix it but you know you would like to think that Colorado is going to go into the into the lab and figure out how to stop that a little bit
0: Colorado's got good coordinators they're going to they're going to have a good performance from the coaching standpoint it's why, look, last week I had a really good week against the spread. I went 5-1 on the 6-pack-12 games that I picked. You can get my picks every Thursday, by the way, at johnconzano.com. But it, I, I'm feeling pretty good about my picks. I like Oregon big in this game. I haven't decided yet if 20, 21, 21 and a half is too big. Because there just becomes a point where you go, Colorado's offensive coordinator Sean Lewis is good, And they'll get some points, and I worry a little bit about a backdoor cover or a late touchdown or two if Oregon is way ahead, but I do think that there's a little bit, Oregon's not going to say it this week, but I think from a recruiting standpoint, there's a little bit of extra here. There's some extra juice, there's some extra vitriol, there's some extra here because I think they have been in some of the same living rooms they have pitched some of the same message I think this is a big opportunity with Dan Lanning, he's going to bring a whole bunch of recruits in cuz he wants to see it he wants them to see it up close he wants them to see how much better Oregon is than Colorado you can go to Colorado you can get all that exposure but guess what? You're going to have to play Oregon, and when you play Oregon, this is what's going to happen. So I will not be surprised if Oregon tries to
3: lay it on Colorado. And to your point with the recruiting stuff, Lanning even talked about that when he was asked about you know how Colorado has been this year, and he said, you know, I know a lot of those guys on the roster. I've recruited a lot of those guys on that roster, and now they're playing for Colorado. So you're right on that. Like They're going after the same type of guys, the same caliber players. I think this will be big for Oregon. And, and we've talked about this before, going in the start of the year. We thought everyone was going to want to come into these Colorado games and just destroy Colorado. But that was before we knew that they were actually decent. Does Oregon still feel that way or is have things changed? If anything, it seems like it could be even more. Now that Colorado's getting all the hype, getting all the attention and everything like that. So it'll be really interesting to see what that point spread does, John. But, you know, I, I have faith in the Colorado coordinators, like you said, to come up with some type of game plan to either slow down Bo Nix just a little bit and then on the offensive side get, sh- get the ball out of Shador's hands because that's the key. Right, Jordan Birch, can he get after Shador Sanders? Colorado State got after him and Sador looks you know, pedestrian. When he gets time, he looks like a first round draft pick.
0: Yeah. And I thought late in the game, one of the biggest plays was after the ejection for the uh personal foul targeting that happened on uh in, you know, in the overtime. I think Colorado State at that point it was teetering for them, right? It was I think that was their ninth personal foul of the game. That's ridiculous that you'd have nine personal fouls in the game. But um, I wondered how much that game took out of Colorado. As entertaining as it was, as much fun as it was to watch, as impressed I was with the resilience of Colorado, I think most of the country left with the same feeling that I had after watching that game, that Colorado's a great story. But that's not a great football team. That's that's an opportunistic football team that is and 3-0. Uh, I look down the stretch, Stephen. I want you to do it during the commercial break. I... I have Colorado finishing at six wins if they can win the Arizona game. And and I think, you know, that one is 50-50 to me. By that juncture of the season, you know, is Arizona going to give Colorado problems or not? I don't know. But I think it's a five- or six-win team, and it's a three-and-six, at best, Pac-12 team. But you tell me during the break. I want you to look through the schedule uh, and tell me what you think. And, about. and real
3: quick, it is fair to think, you know, how Colorado State and Colorado, how close they actually were. Maybe Colorado is a little bit, you know, overvalued right now. Colorado State outgained them in the game. Not only per yards, but per play, they outgained them, and they Colorado State seventeen penalties, hundred eighty two yards. That's ridiculous. And they still probably should have won the game, John. Like they still should have won the game, and they had that the many yards. So a lot of mistakes. Colorado did capitalize on that, but yeah, I mean you look at the stats. Colorado State dominated that ball game.
0: And I, and I have to say, I want to give credit to Coach Prime in Colorado because I think it takes a lot of resilience to win those kinds of games, and they've won two of them. They beat TCU in that way. You know, they just kept playing, showed a lot of metal, came from behind. They did it again in this uh, in this Colorado Colorado State rivalry game, but let's see what they have left in the tank on Saturday playing without Travis Hunter at Autson Stadium. Anna's coming in the studio. Plus we'll talk more of the NFL, the Patriots and the Dolphins with a crazy finish. All of that's still in. Anna is in the studio. Anna is in the studio. She was also in Killer Burger earlier today, and she has an idea for Killer Burger. Do you want to share your idea that you have? We can get Michael James on the phone if you think uh, if you think this would be a good thing. Well, Give a suggestion.
1: It's not exactly like revolutionary or anything, but
0: um, wait. Before you go into this, are what? you sure you want to share this publicly, or do you want to save it in case it's proprietary and we I, can? I open have some up high expectations
3: joint. right now. There's yeah, high exactly. expectations through the roof.
1: You you need to tamper that down, dude. She, all right, go. It's really nothing. Um, no, 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 no.
0: Downplaying I, like the secret that could put Killer Burger above McDonald's. I don't
1: think so right now. Well, it's a little off brand because it is Killer Burger. However, uh, I do occasionally go in a place like that and go. Well, I like their crispy chicken is so good, whether it's the original or the spicy. Big fan. But sometimes I go in a place like that. and I'm like, I need some, I need some vegetables. So if they literally would just take that piece of fried chicken and stick it on some lettuce, <laughs> I would be happy. A like, be of like, lettuce. Oh. And then you know, because I don't, I know a lot of people aren't too into the whole bun thing, right? There's gluten people. I'm not anti-gluten. <laughs> or anything. I love my gluten, but given the option, sometimes I'll be like, "Oh, I can I can just take the protein and and I'll take the vegetables."
0: With but, it. Because so. they they essentially have the fixings there. Did they you, have because right? they put shredded lettuce on right. the burger. Right. So they could just put a bed of shredded lettuce in a uh, to-go bin <laughs> and and stick
1: the some chicken tomatoes. on
0: top of it with a yep. couple of tomatoes, and you'd be happy. <laughs> yeah. Is that what you're saying?
1: Yeah, and that's the thing, is they wouldn't really have to change their product supply line that much. you know. So and then they say just chicken, be, grilled chicken salad. Yeah, yeah, fried chicken salad or whatever.
0: Well, yeah. there you have it. And all of a sudden now they... Yeah, you have
1: an expanded customer base, right? Maybe? I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm off-brand here. I was, here
0: I was so. laughing because today you did take the bun and you ate the... You ate the chicken by itself and uh-huh. the tomatoes or whatever, and then I reached over and ate your bun. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. you're going gluten-free. I'm going, just give me <laughs> that. I'll take that gluten right now, as is. I see your
1: Nothing gluten. Nothing in it. And raise you.
0: <laughs> Nothing in it at all. Uh, hey, you were watching Colorado, Colorado State on Saturday oh night. gosh. So you I'm... were sucked into that game.
1: Me and everyone else in the country that managed to stay up late. Isn't that so funny? like we how many conversations have we had about this game since it happened just think about for yourself how many people have you talked to about this one game and i just love what it has done for college football you know like like a few weeks ago maybe a few months ago we were really mired in a lot of not very fun talk, yeah, about all the conferences and all that. And this reminded a lot of us, I think, of the beauty of college football, what it's all about, and and yeah, and we do have Coach Prime to thank for that. Who, like, how many of us were going to be watching Colorado, Colorado State last year? None, none of
0: us. Come well, on. he's got Lil Wayne on the sideline. He's got Ralphie the. The uh, Buffalo and he had the you know. Rock.
1: The Rock showed up.
0: Do you think the Rock is bigger? Kevin Hart was there. Think yeah. the Rock is a bigger deal than Kevin Hart?
1: I think they're on about the same playing field, don't you? I don't know. I don't know. For but... our kids, he was Maui. The Rock.
3: The Rock is Moana, bigger than Kevin so. Hart. He's a you movie so? star. He's a he's an action movie star. Like he's the guy.
0: Yeah, so if the Rock and Kevin Hart were both in a restaurant. You could only get your picture taken with one. You think more people would go to the Rock?
3: 100%, yeah. Hmm.
1: He has expanded into multiple arenas, you know.
0: I also um, found it interesting that this game ended after 2 a.m. on the
1: East Coast. Is that right? Does that sound right? Sounds about right. Yeah, a lot what, of people... what
0: time was it on the West Coast? Because I'm looking at the Washington Post story. Washington Post said, if you stayed up past 2 a.m. Eastern yeah. time— you, uh, you probably had an affiliation in one of those schools. I say nonsense. I think the Washington Post is wrong. I think this game is drawing in fans that had have no affiliation with yeah. Colorado, Colorado State. Mm-hmm. I think people who had affiliation with these schools always watch those schools.
2: We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Baltimore. sorry
0: to interrupt the podcast, but...